Good morning, Middle. Good morning. Please stand and join me for our, the singing of our first hymn, God of History, Recent Ancient.
Hi, welcome to Middle. Please join me in the invitation of worship, which is found in your bulletin. We come to worship the God that walks with us through challenge, every challenge, fear, and loss. We come to When Israel wandered through the wilderness, she was not alone. God was there. for all ages, and I'm new at this, so if you are young or young at heart, I would love for you to join me up here on the mat. Some ringers, awesome. Thanks, friends. So, I am new at this because I'm an intern here. I'm Caroline, and being an intern here means I'm here a couple days a week, and I go to school the rest of the days. You guys go to school? Oh, hey, tons of room. Hello. Oh my goodness, come on up. We all sprung forward and made it in the rain. And just the other day, I was at school, and I was telling a friend from school how much I love middle, and especially about the young people. And so something I was telling her was that we just heard about the youth civil rights trip that went, and they shared a couple weeks ago some of the pictures about what they did and saw. And I was telling them about the interfaith play date we had. Did anyone go to that last week? And got to play with friends from other faiths and share about ours and our church. And I was telling her that the young people at Middle are pretty impressive and awesome because they even have their own theme song. And I love Siahamba, and the words always get stuck in my head, and I know them all, but I wasn't totally sure what to tell my friend they meant. So I was wondering if you all could help me understand Siahamba a little bit better. You think you could do that? Let's try. So we have the words here, Miss Sarah's gonna help. And I know it starts with we. We are marching in the light of God. And do you guys have any idea who the we might be when we sing Siahamba? Who's the we? Any thoughts? Ooh, it's whispering. Any thoughts? Is it people sitting on the mat? No. No, is it more than that? Who's the we? Uh, us. Us? Could it be our whole church? Could it be even more than the whole church? Come on up. Well, I thought so too. So I thought maybe it was the whole world in the we part. All right, so we'll keep thinking about that. And then I know the second part. Did you ever thought about that? Um, everybody that's on the mat. Everybody that's on the mat, I think so, it includes us. And the second part is our marching. Does anyone know anyone, any groups that march? Has anyone ever been marching? Where have we marched? Where do you march? You, you can say it. Any ideas? Where do we march? Um. Want me to come back? Yeah. Okay. I was hearing some whispering about Washington, D.C. and here in New York City. I know bands march and love armies march. We march when we march in protest. So I think that's kind of what Siahamba is talking about when it says our marching. All right, so we're out for justice. This is the last part, and this is the trickiest part, I think. What do we sing about when we're singing about in the light of God? Any answers from anyone? When we think about... We will play in the game. What, with what? With a flashlight. With a flashlight? Amazing. Does... <laughs> Thanks for that setup. We're... When we sing in the light of God, does that mean God shows us the way about where we can seek justice and who we get to do that with? So sometimes a flashlight might remind us that we 
are marching for justice and love in the light of God with God. And that's a pretty good deal, right? I think that's what your theme song means. And you sing that song with people all over the world who have sung for justice from South Africa and in all kinds of other places today. So See a Home is a really amazing song. And you guys do amazing work when you sing it and when you live it out. Do you think we could say a prayer all together in a big circle and then sing our song? Let's do it. So go ahead and grab a hand or a finger. See if we can get the whole group into this circle. All right, you can repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for songs like our Sia Hamba that help remind us to do justice and love with you. In your many names, amen. Let's sing Sia Hamba. Good morning, Middle Family. Thank you for um, either moving your clocks or looking at your cell phone this morning um, to be here at this beautiful worship service. Um, It is Women's History Month and also Lent. And we are journeying towards love this Lenten season. And in Black History, or in Women's History Month, make sure, I, I know I have marked on my calendar Aretha Franklin Sunday, which is the 24th. So um, I hope you can join us for that as well. Um, I, my name is Christina Fleming, and I welcome you on behalf of the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis, who is preaching at Fort Washington Collegiate Church this morning, uptown. And we are part of the collegiate system, which of course means collegial. And historically, the collegiate ministers would um, share pulpits or swap pulpits at some times. So the Dr. Damaris Whitaker will be joining us the last Sunday of March, and we're excited for her to be here because she is fierce, and she's the senior minister at Fort Washington. Uh, Welcome to our online viewers. If you are worshiping with us in France, Japan, or um, in the East Village, we're glad you're here. And uh, our Digi Minister, Natalie Perkins, is with you right now and commenting throughout the worship. And if you are away next week, you can watch us on YouTube, Facebook, or on our homepage. This afternoon, in honor of Women's History Month, we will be sharing uh, Sherry Carpenter's film. Sherry's right here. Three's complicated here at 1.30, and childcare will be going on until 4. Um, And then all during Lent and on Tuesday nights, uh, our ministers will be leading a Bible study and also be focusing on having you share your stories and write them down, incorporated and interwoven into the Bible study. So we hope that Lent can be very personal for you this year. Um, I think I'm, oh, on Friday, uh, we had a fierce gathering of black queer men. I think over 20 of you came out. So thank you for your leadership, Wesley and Bertram. And um, in your pews, in these lovely containers of holding paper, um, you'll find a red, a red sheet. And it shares how the different ways you give to middle. And you amaze me in the ways you give to middle, from singing to starting what you're called to start here at middle. And so if there are things, uh, gifts that you give or gifts that you want to give, write this down and put it in the offering envelope as it goes by. Or if you're doing a recurring offering, you can just write that down and put that in the offering as it goes by. Um, oh, and do we have any visitors today who are, might be here for the first time? Hey, welcome. Great. Great. Where are you visiting from? Seattle. Seattle. Beautiful. Thank you. And where are you visiting from? Birmingham, Alabama, wow. Um, And where are you? San Francisco, beautiful. 
Beautiful. And these beloveds here? Brooklyn. Beautiful. Well, we welcome you to worship, and um, Bertram will lead us in a time of prayer. Good morning, Middle. Thank you all for being here this morning. We know it's an hour earlier than last week, but it's grateful. we're grateful to have you all here. It would not be the same without you. As it is cold and wet and rainy outside, let's just take a moment to be centered in the warmth of this place. But even more important than that, the, the warmth of God's love for us, the, sec the security of God's embrace, and the light of God's love that burns within each and every one of us. Let's just enjoy a moment of silence. Holy One, God of the universe, maker of all that lives and moves, it is you who have given us life. You have placed breath within our lungs and your spirit within our bodies. And you have created each of us within your image and you've called us good. For the gift of life and all our lives, we say thank you, God. On this first Sunday of Lent, as we begin the journey toward Easter, toward the cross and to the promise of love that overcomes death, help us also to remember that we are made of dust and to dust we will also return. Give us courage, God, and faith to allow the dust of our lives to be shaped and molded, refined and sent out to be used as agents of your transforming power in this place and throughout the world. During this Women Histories Month, we pray that your spirit empowers women in their pursuit of justice and equity. We pray for all women and girls who stand in the face of oppression, for women in Congress and in courtrooms, women in boardrooms and women crossing borders. We pray for those who do all that they can to love and heal, who work to keep families together and all your children safe. We pray for women in classrooms, for students, for young girls, and for adults. We pray for aging women. Bless them, keep them safe, protect them, God. Strengthen their bodies and their minds and their spirits because your truth is still speaking and you are working in and through them. Be close to all who call upon you and need to feel you near this morning. Pray for those who are in distress, who don't know where the next paycheck is coming from or maybe the next meal. We pray for people who are recovering from surgeries and it's taking a while, God, be with them. God, we pray for people with recent diagnoses and the uncertainty and the fear that accompanies that news. Help us understand what it means to be the church to them. Help us know what it means to be your hands and feet and your heart as, you, as we seek to care and walk alongside them. God, when we look at the world, we see much distress, much injustice, much violence, many things done uh, in, the name, in our names through our government the wars at which we have a hand and the violence that we see across the land, the injustice in our prison system and our so-called justice system where a person can vote and be resentenced and a man can violate millions of 
be engaged in great corruption and get just a few months. Lord, there is no justice here. But empower us as this church to raise our voices, to speak up, to claim, to march as our children march, to march and lead on in claiming forth justice in our justice system, in our policing, in our education and housing systems. God, help us to bring about your reign here on earth for women, for girls, for men and women, for our trans siblings, for everyone who seeks justice in this world. We pray this, God, trusting that it's your spirit who leads us, who's mo who moves us forward. You've called us to do this work, God. Give us the grace to follow where you lead. We ask this trusting in your holy names. Amen. Friends, I invite you to stand and sing or say the prayer that Jesus taught us in whatever language or tradition you're most familiar with. It's also printed in our bulletin, beginning with ever loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our Amen. Just in case you didn't think God heard us, the choir amplified that. So, friends, we are people of peace. Let us share the peace of God with our neighbors. God. 
middle. Today's reading is from Deuteronomy 26 verses 1 through 11. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you will take some of the first of all of the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to a place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. And when the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Armenian was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord our God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice, saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land overflowing with milk and honey. So now I bring you the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, 
shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and your house. The word of God for the people of God. Good morning, Middle Church family. Praise to God for the many ways we've worshiped together already this morning, through scripture, through young people, through prayer. Amen? Amen. We find ourselves today in the middle of Women's History and Culture Month, on the first Sunday in the Christian liturgical season of Lent, an hour earlier than it was this time yesterday, and in the book of Deuteronomy, with a text that touches immigration, liberation, and worship. That's a lot. So will you pray with me before we begin? Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The text Vicki just read for us is the Old Testament liturgical text for this Sunday and is widely influential in both Jewish and Christian thought. It situates us encamped on the plains of Moab, Israelites standing on the brink of the Jordan River, finally poised to enter the promised land. It is the festival of weeks or harvest time when Israelites were to make an annual offering to the central sanctuary, bringing the first fruits, meaning the best, of the harvest to offer as a gift back to God. This was no small act, and first and foremost was an open acknowledgement that the land itself is a gift from God that we can offer back. A notion we would do well to remember these days, yes? At this point in their journey, the Israelite people were under pressure to maintain faithfulness and political autonomy in the face of growing Babylonian and Assyrian threats. So, poised just outside the promised land, the long-awaited climax of a journey, delayed by enslavement in Egypt and wandering in the wilderness, pressured to demonstrate faithfulness, in a brief yet profound act, they stopped and they recounted where they'd been and who got them through it. Here again from Deuteronomy, when you have come into the land, the Lord is giving you inheritance to possess. Take your fruit that you've harvested, put it in a basket and go to the place where God is dwelling. Then go find the priest and say to her, I'm here for the land that's been promised for me. The priest will then take your basket and set it on the altar. Then you will continue. An immigrant was my ancestor who lived in Egypt as an alien, but then he became a great nation. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us, the Lord heard our voice, saw our oppression, and brought us out of Egypt into this place and gave us this land. So now, with that being said, I bring these first fruits to you. Then you can set it before the priest, bow down before God, and celebrate. Before you give, you remember. You turn around and recall. You participate in collective memory and declaration. In this way, our memory becomes a basis for worship, for relationship with God, for defining who we are and who we might be, and is a catalyst for motivating us to share. In the book, Imagining Redemption, David Kelly writes, redemption from old situations is remembered so that redemption from current situations can be anticipated. Under pressure from social upheaval, remember God's pre previous saving acts, and those that have gone before in order to anticipate God's future saving acts. I was once, but then God. We were once, but then God. And so 
We have hope because we have roots. Sankofa is a word in the Twi language of Ghana that translates, anybody who wasn't here for the first celebration know? It translates, go back and get it. Or, it is not wrong to go back for that which you have forgotten. Sankofa is depicted by a bird with her head turned backwards while her feet face forward. And she carries a precious egg in her mouth, the egg representing the future. If you weren't aware of this mythical African bird, you might be familiar with Harry Belafonte's organization, rightly named Sankofa.org. Founded in the spirit of the great leaders, activists, and artists of the past, with the mission of turning attention to the most pressing issues of our time. So it seems that turning around before moving forward is pretty important. But we don't always do that, do we? Our culture, our times celebrate individualism. The ability to produce results quickly and lifts up those of us that can think in our feet and act swiftly. Who has time for turning around and honoring what came before? Nevertheless, we are reminded in today's text that stopping and turning around, going back and getting it, would not only do us some good, but it is what is required for right relations between us and God and for liberated futuristic hopes and dreams. But we can't stop at just remembering. In The End of Memory, Miroslav Volf provides an important caveat on how we remember. We must remember rightly, he says. We have the power to shape memories. And sometimes the stories we tell, the books we write, allow us to remember in ways that aren't always truthful. What are the ways that we, as individuals, as a country, as a church community, don't remember rightly? In what ways has our memory allowed us to not be truthful about the past? What are you thinking about? Probably some things are coming to mind. Naming a holiday for Christopher Columbus, whitewashing history books, manifest destiny, and the suffragist movement come quickly to my mind. So in honor of Women's Month, let's talk about those suffragists for just a minute. The common white narrative champions Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony as leaders of a suffragist movement that was for all women. But this hardly tells the right memory, as it doesn't speak of the black women entrenched in the movement and conveniently denies the racism that tightened its grip on the fight for women's vote in the years after the Civil War, and fails to expose Stanton as a classic liberal racist who embraced fairness in the abstract while publicly vocalizing bigoted views of African-American men. Brent Staples helps from the New York Times. White people usefully forget that black and white women had different views of why the, vote to, why the right to vote was essential. White women were seeking the vote as a symbol of parity with those who, like them, were raced white, while black women sought the right to vote as a means of strengthening black communities suffering from racial terror. White Americans neglect to recall rightly that organizers of the 1913 suffragists march on Washington demanded that black participants what? March where? In the back. A demand that Ida B. Wells, don't forget, refused. The white narrative is pervasive 
because of the way whiteness functions in our society. But black, indigenous, and ancestors of color have been present and revolutionary throughout all of time. Some of us just aren't remembering rightly. As a city, we amazingly largely only remember men. Only five out of the 150 statues in our city, in New York City, depict women, five. She Built NYC is working now to reclaim our past, bringing five new statues of women. Anyone know who those are? Who are they? You can name one. Harriet Tubman is, I think, already one, actually. I think I'm hearing some. Elizabeth Jennings Graham, Dr. Helen Rodriguez Trias, Catherine Walker, Billie Holiday, and Shirley Chisholm. And their statues will be spread throughout the five boroughs soon. Yes, it's not just enough to remember, to turn around, to go back and get it. We must remember rightly. And that involves telling the stories of our ancestors with critical, revisionist, feminist, womanist, liberationist, racial, and economic lenses. Why? The stakes are too high if we don't do that. We might, on the same Saturday in January in New York City in 2019, have three separate women's marches if we don't. We might have a white feminist movement that fails to center black, indigenous people of color, nor the issues that keep them and their communities up at night. We might have a wealth inequality problem in this country where just three individuals possess a combined wealth of 248.5 billion, an equal amount of wealth as the bottom 50% of the country. We might have fewer voting rights than we did 50 years ago when the Voting Rights Act was passed. We might be locking children in cages, ignoring Puerto Rico, or ushering brown and black children along a school-to-prison pipeline. We might find ourselves with 2,010 people in federal prison serving life sentences with no possibility of parole for nonviolent drug offenses, while simultaneously granting Paul Manafort with only 47 months on eight counts of bank and tax fraud. These things just don't happen. They are predicated on the fact that somebody, some groups of somebodies, are not remembering rightly. For decades, black scholars like Bell Hooks, Dr. Katie Cannon, James Baldwin, Howard Thurman, Desmond Tutu, and countless others have written and spoken, taught, and lived lives that attempt to help humanity remember rightly. But when ancestors who look different than us or think different than us speak the truth to us, do we listen? When ancestors who look the same as us speak truth to us, do we listen? Or are we so harmed and molded and shaped by the lies that have been masked as collective memory that we can no longer hear? We must have intersectional analysis, a term given to us by Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw. Otherwise, our movements, our very lives together cannot be truly liberating. It is not possible to tease apart oppressions. Remember with Audre Lorde that there are no single issue struggles because we do not live single issue lives. And furthermore, when we do not remember rightly, we fail to see or bear witness to the fullness of God and how God moves with us, always liberating, always loving. And we thus fail to become the fullness of who God wants us to be. Yes, remembering rightly not only affects our collective stories and memory, it affects the way we individually exist and function in the world as well. It is easy to point to large scabs in our country, our cities, and our communities. It is much harder to look within our own selves and examine the way lives 
have wrongly formed who we are. Our biases, our values, where we bank, where we send our children to school, who we sit with, who we promote to direct. So what do we do? How can we begin to stop and recall? How do we rightly remember? It seems to me that the practice of Lent has something to offer us. Lent is an intentional season of 40 days that begins on Ash Wednesday and ends on Easter. Lent is generally characterized by introspection, fasting, and prayer. It is a time for us to revisit and renew who we are and wrestle with our very humanity. Lent is meant to change us and to remind us, as Bertram said in his prayer, it is from dust we are and to dust we shall return. He wasn't the first to say that though. Lent is the hour, Jan Richardson writes, that we are marked by what has made it through the burning. This is the moment, she continues, we ask for the blessing that lives within the ancient ashes, that makes its home inside the soil of this sacred earth. So let us be marked not for sorrow. Let us be marked not for shame. Let us be marked not for false humility or for thinking we are less than we are, but for claiming what God can do within the dust, within the dirt, within the stuff of which the world is made and the stars that blaze in our bones and the galaxies that spiral inside the smudges we bear. The ways we've remembered wrongly or failed to remember at all are painful. But we can't ignore them. We've got to go back and get those things. We've got to bring all of who we are as wandering souls and people to the altar of God. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine this week and he told me about a powerful moment he had on Ash Wednesday of putting ashes on the forehead of a four-year-old whose face was fully painted as a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, we have to bring all of who we are to this season. At Middle, our Lenten theme is a transforming journey towards love. The work of recalling our ancestors, stating what God has done in our lives, and making sure we do so with integrity is hard. So let's rely on each other. And when we find that socially constructed divisions pressure my memory to be different than Bertram's, or from yours, or yours from yours, Deuteronomy reminds us that we are all connected and have a path, past, with some universal truths to guide us. Most of Moses' audience wasn't alive at the time of Exodus, yet the fruit bringer spoke to the priest that they had seen those things with their very eyes, because they felt that connected. And that is a claim that situates all of us as ancestors, all of us connected, and allows us to see a bridge between generations and the seen and unseen work of God among us. It is also a charge, Drain Stroll says, that we are to be a people united by a shared understanding of the past and a shared hope for the future and bound by love. So this Lent, let's retell Let's recount. Let's spend time in prayer, in solitude and reflection, and allow time and space for the stories of our ancestors to flourish. Let's call on the Holy Spirit and one another, prophets and sages as we are, to guide how we remember. So that when we remember who we are, 
We will tell stories that are true to the God who liberates, dismantles, includes, befriends, deconstructs, and loves, period. Because if the Bible is anything, it is a long story of liberation. And we are part of that story. These are our ancestors. This is our story. I was once, but then God. We were once, but then God. But then God heard our voice and brought us out. And God will hear your voice and bring you out. So let's keep our feet forward, our heads turned around, and eggs in our mouths. Let's be transformed towards love, rightly remembering, so that we might rightly hope and live. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Lila, and I'm a deacon here at Middle. What is it about Middle that has transformed my spirit? Is it the call to do something about the least of these? Well, let me bear my soul and spill my blood on the floor. There was a time I was the least of these. Imagine going through life feeling like God doesn't approve of you that somehow you're inherently bad, cursed, or unworthy. Now imagine being born in a world that will marginalize you just because you're black or a girl. Continue to imagine parents or a world that would ask, what's wrong with you because your sexual orientation is different? I know firsthand what it feels like to be marginalized before I could even learn to read or write with a life expectancy of 21 and no future in sight. Filled with, shared, excuse me, filled with shame, confusion, and skewed sense of identity left me with many questions. Where do I belong? Where do I fit in? Does God love me? These questions broke my spirit before my spirit had a chance to develop. It took bouts with homelessness, addiction, stigma, and being physically imposed upon without my permission to unearth my spirit. It didn't want me to die. It had a purpose for me, to tell my story of how love transformed and saved my life. Imagine 10 years ago, I would decide to become a member of a church, and years later, a deacon at that same church. What is it about metal that has transformed my spirit? Is it the call to do something about the least of these? Well. Let me bear my soul and spill my blood on the floor. There was a time I was the least of these. I'm no longer homeless. I'm 28 years clean, and I advocate on behalf of others. And I advocate on behalf of others who are marginalized while educating others on wellness and recovery. See, it was important for me to be aligned with a movement that demonstrates a transformative love. When I became a member, I said, I do to you, and you said, I do to me. We promise to love, serve, and transform one another in a journey to build a new religion called love. What good is it if the body of Christ does not transform one's life? What good is it if the only thing you hear about the power of Christ is destructive or punitive? It was here at middle that I heard Psalms 139.14, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Imagine that for the very first time. Imagine the healing, loving, and transforming the power of those words. Imagine milling, excuse me, imagine middle healing the broken places by simply saying, you're welcome here just as you are. Are you still committed? 
to loving, serving, and transforming one another in this journey to build a new religion called love? Are you preparing, contemplating, or ready to join the movement? If so, let's meet up front and discuss how we can continue to support one another after the service. While the ushers prepare to graciously accept your offering, imagine that you are contributing to a safe place for the least of these. Thank you. Hey, Ma, it's us here at Middle. Thank you for these first fruits. Help us to rightly remember that these are your fruits. Ma, help us to use these fruits for the least of these. In your many names we pray, amen. Let your little light shine, shine, shine. Let your little light shine, oh my. 
There might be someone down in the valley trying to get home. So let your little light shine, shine, shine. Let your little light shine, oh my Lord. There might be someone down in the valley trying to get home. It may be me. It may be your brother or your sister too. There might be someone down in the valley trying to get home. It may be from near or lands afar, by morning sun or the evening star. There might be someone down in the valley trying to get home. So let your little light shine, shine, shine. Let your little light shine, oh my Lord. There might be someone down in the valley trying to get home. So let your little light shine, shine, shine. Let your little light shine. There might be someone down in the valley trying to get home. It may be you or it may be me. It may be over land or the deep blue sea. There might be someone down in the valley trying to get home. In times of joy don't you ever let your legs turn low. There might be someone down in the valley trying to get home. So let your little light shine, shine, shine. Let your little light shine, oh my Lord. There might be someone down in the valley trying to get Let your little light shine, oh my Lord. There might be someone down in the valley trying to get home. <laughs> Amen. As you prepare to leave this place, a reminder that Bertram will be up front to talk to you about joining this beautiful movement. We need you. Maybe you could use us too. Now go from this place remembering who you are and whose you are. Ancestors. People down in the valley just trying to get home. Remember that you are loved by God and destined to do so many good things in this world. So go now in peace, go in memory, go remembering rightly, and go in love. Amen. Amen.